Horseback scan initiated. I'm picking up a podcast arriving. Wait. Designation. Forge the narrative. Hey everybody, welcome to Forge the Narrative. My name is Paul, your host. We are the Battle of Souls podcast. I'm joined by Adam Camilleri. G'day. And Tanya Gates. Hey everybody. Welcome to the show, everyone. LVO just happened this past weekend. Uh, I just flew in from Vegas. Boy, are my arms tired. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Because you just had to carry that whole thing. No, because no. he flew in. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I went the other <laughs> direction with that. Both, oh, both directions were bad. You, I made a choice. Oh you are my lucky goodness! That you have a license for that dad joke, sir. Oh uh, no! And I actually did some streaming on the Age of Sigmar side on the Warhammer TV Twitch channel. I'm basically a whole weekend of streaming. The Age of Sigmar crowd is awesome like everywhere you look there was sportsmanship things happening camaraderie happening you know just real inclusive welcoming crowd and and that's not very much different than than um um, any any other game system but what struck me is just like the scale of it it was just everywhere you saw everybody interacting in this really positive way they got a good group of tournament goers at at that event i'm sure every other event that they attend as well and got to see some incredible top-tier Age of Sigmar action, and it was neat to talk about it with a great team. You know, the the stream team, uh, plus Andy joined me there to do Sigmar commentary, and thankfully so, because he had a lot of Sigmar information. <laughs> yeah, Andy killed it. Yeah, yeah. You you wouldn't you would not have known he was uh, fresh. Yeah, yeah. He did did a great job uh, in there, and is always happy to hang out with him. He actually did it with me the last LBO also. And have a blast, like basically, you know, like great to sit there and talk about Warhammer with him. And then, of course, a great behind the scenes team. And we actually had like the the lead developer for Age of Sigmar there with us, like right next to us and giving us information from the tables. So we had some great info coming our direction as well. And it was a, it was a very spicy uh, top table. I like to ask you, you know, what kind of what what were the lists or what were the the factions that impressed you on the table the most? But the tippy top table was uh, was a same faction showdown. Yeah. So Cities of Sigmar is the the most recent faction to hit the tables or you know army book, and there were two Cities of Sigmar lists in the finals. But I don't think that had much to do or as much to do with it being the most recent battle tome these were very skilled players and there were very different lists as well from what i could tell one was a very mechanized almost steam tank skewed list and the other one seemed like a much more of a uh, an all comers yeah do y'all know the nickname we have for the steam tank for you know going on three decades or so uh the stank stank? yeah the stank (laughs) (laughs) gotta give him the stank the stank guy uh, and it was. There's a way to you know to work in a bunch of steam tanks. Now the steam tanks have some uh, liabilities. Is like a, a weird word because the the way they built this list, it had layers and buffs and you know like healing. That was kind of the recursion was that was healing these things. But they're not that great at controlling objectives. Uh, but they they have put out a just a hail of different uh, shooting attacks. And it has a two plus armor save. Look, we'll get back to the 40k in just a minute. But, like, but <laughs> I want to point out, it's basically like like a 40k army is how this plays. Mm. And, well, it's interesting you say that because people said that about Carriage and Overlords a little while ago as well, and they seem to have diverged from that identity. But I think that was like, that was I think our second edition when they first launched, being like, "This feels like a 40k army. What's it doing here?" Not too um, dissimilar. So, like the Carriage and Overlords really do. Th- like they also made it deep into the into the tournament in the undefeated because they present like a, a awkward uh, matchups 
you know, without because yeah, well, they there are what's a little of Age of Sigma is that there's armies that have just such distinct and unique identities, and unlike 40k where you have so many armies that are essentially the same thing, just like 10% different, you know, guard, tau, votan, they you know they just kind of shoot the good. Uh, you know, yeah. and different versions of that. You really do have very specific and niche things that still exist in Age of Sigma, or completely uniquely. Yeah, the, there was a really big standout unit out of the Age of Sigmar book, and that's the uh, Command Corps. And that unit is like a collection of elite things with lots of cool special abilities. And there was a lot of them on the tables, Age of Sigmar. And I think that did that is a standout unit in the City of Sigmar book. But again, I think that the the fact that we had two cities list in the finals was less a reflection of the newest book because ever there were a lot of just really top tier players there that know how to play the game, score points, and and what have you, and more of a factor of the the ability of the generals. And even in the last matchup, you mentioned that there these were a lot different. Yes, they were. Um, where one list had a bunch of steam tanks in it, and that was the bulk of it. Steam tanks and Hurricaneum to buff the steam tanks. So you you had what was the like almost like three Death Stars in one huh. across the table, pumping out tons of firepower and being real durable. And the way that they existed was kind of picking and choosing their targets, withering your your opponent down. And, you know, with, with great weapon profiles and durability and then recursion and the disrupting your command points as you spend them with the, with the uh, command core, they have the whisper spy network uh, is what it, uh, basically they can crush your, they can vect you and that, Dang. that can be a problem. And on the, the other side, Jeremy uh, also played in Cities of Sigmar, but had a much more mobile, much more like MSU style build. And what he did in their game uh, against Gavin was basically ran up to the middle of the table and took away a lot of agency of the steam tanks, making them fire into units he was prepared to sacrifice. And that ended up, I'd say ended up winning the game, but the game actually went tied. They went to the first tiebreaker. They tied. What did the second tiebreaker? The Jeremy end up winning with that style of, of uh, City of Sigmar list. Wow. Going to the second tiebreaker was a bit of a nail biter, and you didn't. It was really touch and go. And the way the way scoring works in Sigmar is you have your primary mission, just you know, like you might expect. That's where you get a lot of your points from. You pick a battle tactic each round, so it's not quite like our secondaries are flipping cards or whatever. Um, but you do pick one, and if you are able to complete it, you get two points. But at the beginning of the game, you also pick a grand strategy and if you complete that grand strategy over the course of the game you get three points at the end and the grand strategy a lot of them involve either having a combination of units on the table doing something or have done something over the course of the game or having a unit at the end of the game do, uh, that has done something or whatever and but you you let your opponent know what that is your opponent can then if they so choose work towards making that grand strategy difficult or impossible and the where it came down to the the flip was that Jeremy was able to complete his grand strategy and Gavin was not able to complete this mm. because he had lost a key unit earlier in the game. So very interesting. Yeah, didn't come down to a nail biter and got to see some awesome players do their thing on the top table. And it, of course, you know, you've seen a lot of things. Well, of course, cities with and when when flesh eater courts uh, come out, of course they'll be the best. And that's I can say this 
it, it seems to be with the way that the, the general ship in the community works is that seems to be less of a factor and it is down to still actually playing and rolling out the game. I've always felt like Age of Sigmar, the, the general ship is like, obviously in 40k general ship is important as well. But for some reason in Age of Sigmar, it just seems to be more important and the list itself seems to be i guess like important but less important than in 40k um player skill just seems to be like the number one thing um and especially in this newest battle pack because the battle tactics are actually very difficult to achieve so a lot of times like there'll be a lot of things that you cannot do in terms of the battle tactics um, either because like the key thing that you put into your list to do that was removed or or whatever, but sometimes the game comes down to just like denying battle tactics uh, to your to your opponent now, which it took me a long time to get comfortable with that style of play with this battle pack, but I'm starting to get there now. Um, but but yeah, the battle tactics are very, very difficult. That did see that play out in, in exactly like you're describing it. It was where the 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 lag in the game, like when the games would would kind of um you know that normal thinking phase that you do was largely mm-hmm. around what can I do in a battle tactic that I can reliably get that my opponent can't fool me on because they redeploy or you know do some some action in their turn that that makes right. it more difficult to get that battle tactic. And the battle tactics are you know they're conditional things like you know complete three charges or you know other stuff like that like there's um there but there are generic battle tactics in the general's handbook and then there are some faction specific battle tactics but they all are have that level of complexity to where your opponents could have some agency in denying you that it's not just being being on one spot of terrain at the end of your turn kind of thing you have to play it yeah like even the faction specific battle tactics like there are some factions that have a few really easy ones but for the most part even the ones in your book are extremely difficult to do uh i have two armies in age of sigmar and both of them have battle tactics that like look pretty easy right like oh be in combat at the end of your turn well in general you don't really want to leave things alive (laughs) to stay in combat with them (laughs) and maybe that'll set you up to like lose momentum later on in the game so yeah i've got a few of those that i can do and it's like when am i ever gonna want to do that that's exactly it's like charge and be in combat at the end of the game or end of the round one or two opponents or something like that it's yeah it's very difficult it, it is uh, and seeing seeing generals figure out a way to work that out, uh, seeing the variants in the armies. So I will say that looking at the tables, this is look, this is uh, I'm not claiming to be an expert on this, and uh, but it seems like the composition of armies across the table seem to filter towards like a bunch of medium sized elite elite ish what I would consider like um, like medium sized durable slash elite units across the majority of the tables. Uh, but some generals were even were pushing it to the extreme and going with like almost like a horde style. Saw that creep on, and then some going heavy into even heavier into the elite style, uh, which was like as an example with all these steam tanks, that kind of stuff. So some variants out there, but it looked like most generals were kind of gravita- gravitating towards those um, medium-sized durable units during this play. We uh we have many uh, acronyms and random odd 
words we throw out like guard equivalent, uh, you know, MSU, uh, you know, we're min-maxing all these things. And what are you describing like uh, what we used to call, say, an MMU, like multiple yeah. medium-sized units? As in like here are four or five things around about the same size doing kind of two or three different things very well. Uh, but I'm going to take a bunch of them just so there's no really easy targets for you. But there's also, you know, I'm not giving up a huge portion of my army by having one super unit. That seems like it. That's a, kind of my spot. Just a cold read on the, on the fields out there. Nice. Yeah. It's really fun shopping yeah, games. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's, it's, th- there's enough familiarity, of course, to 40K to where you're moving around models. You have primary objectives. You know <laughs> generally how to engage things. But there's a lot of cool things in Age of Sigmar that make it a little bit more dynamic, like with monstrous actions and the way command points are generated and, and used. Like there are some armies that can just generate like 15 command points and have commensurate number of abilities that can that can whip out on you. Uh, very neat. And then the 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 fact that you can do things during you know when your opponents are doing things, spells unbinding the spells and so on and so forth. It's very interactive. There's a lot of things happening over the course of those five turn games and seeing how players react to that. Like it seemed like in the very early days of Sigmar that a lot of the action would kind of like culminate into the middle of the table. Like for the first year of the game, it seemed like, well, I guess we fight in the middle. You know? <laughs> that is not the case anymore. Like it is no. a very dynamic game and there's cool stuff happening all over the place and there's a bunch of amazing depth and flavor built into the armies and it's pretty cool to see how they play out i mean i'm gonna agree i think age of sigmar is just such a tactically robust game which i think i've said it before but i think sometimes a lot of people think that a streamlined game is somehow like less tactical but in the case of age of sigmar like yes it is more streamlined than warhammer 40k but it is still such a dynamic and fun game um and i really encourage people if they haven't checked it out like everybody seems to have an army like you could borrow an army from somebody and just give it a shot because it's a lot of fun i completely agree i know i got the bug i'm definitely going to be uh spending some time with some sigmar models gotta get my arm i do up. <laughs> i do love and i don't necessarily just dis- i mean i have i don't have the data on, on age of sigma to compare and contrast it with aos like tanya does but i do think generally more often than not we all think our game's the bestest <laughs> we all sit there and be like nah yours sucks mine's awesome and the players over here are better than yours and look you may very well be true may very well be true i'm certain you know, there are a lot of things going on in 10th edition uh, 40k right now, and it's still very much in a forming state. How, how far into it's third edition Age of Sigmar at the moment, yeah? Correct. Yes. And that was not last year. You're like, you're like, we're like 18 months in? No. It's like, when did third edition come out? Like three years how ago? That's Almost right. So, yeah. 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 So we're, we're towards the end of that edition. We're at the start of the 40k edition cycles. That's what I was trying to get at. Yeah. And, you know, lately in for age of sigma it's been every about three years so who knows might be might be a new age of sigma i have no knowledge um yeah we <laughs> speculate on any of that uh yeah would wouldn't say wouldn't say that's concrete at all but um it's interesting because i wonder what we'll be saying about and how tactical 10th edition 40k is you know towards you know in a couple of years time um because definitely i i do think that there is a feeling of solvedness 
that comes with a, the age of, a, of an edition where we, we get to, you know, so, individuals get so many repetitions of a certain we game style. We experienced that in Ninth, structure. you know, too, is like yeah. you got to the point where, like, everything is well-defined, you know exactly what to play. Yeah. And as we saw, yeah. and, and the cool thing about that, we saw some lists emerge because of that. Correct. And we saw some, some people really willing to throw it against the wall and just see what was going to happen. Uh, it's, well, and when I was going with that, it's really nice to hear that. At, at a game that's, you know, in its third year, by Tanya being like, it's still really deep, still really exciting, still really tactical, you know, no, no, no even iterations or aspersions of getting bored with it. I love that. Well, I mean, we've got our General's Handbook that comes out every six months i think it's well i think i think yeah it's the same yeah the same same this one might be 12 months actually but at least they were coming out every six months and basically it, it changes up the mission so it doesn't really like mess too hard with your you know faction itself but what it'll do is it will sort of have a focus on what types of units you need in order to um do certain battle tactics or you'll get certain um enhancements for certain types of uh, units so like there was a general's handbook that was all about monsters which really wanted uh, you to bring monsters to the game in order to you know complete all of Mm. the missions and like this current one it's like small walking uh, wizards is is the one so you know if you bring those units you're going to have an easier time doing battle tactics but you're also going to give away battle tactics uh, opportunities for your opponent as well so it just adds a lot of these like little tiny changes to the mission and we also get 12 is it yeah 12 new missions in each general's handbook so it really keeps things spicy and it doesn't really allow anything to get completely solved yeah i do love that those overarching it's almost like flavor notes the what they incentivize and, and don't incentivize well not not that they specifically don't incentivize but by, by default like you know big stuff good small stuff you know, probably just is less incentive, <laughs> like less good by default, by backhandedness. I do love those flavor <laughs> notes. They are they insert into different kind of variants, especially if I just see. I haven't noticed that too much in 40k. Uh, although currently we're into the kind of everybody needs some three inch deep strike uh, <laughs> portion of the 40k meta. Yeah, it does yeah. help. With uh with this edition though, you talk about the smaller wizards, wizards under a certain uh, wound count, you can nominate to be special, and then you drink mm-hmm. primal dice. I mean, both players can get these primal dice that can help uh, impact certain phases of the game at you know potentially some risk, and seeing how players use that to their advantage, or or also use the risk to their advantage. I saw a a corn player uh, use their primal dice to basically sacrifice one of their wizards to gain blood tithe points to summon a skull cannon or something like that it was like this chain of events that had to occur to keep them tight in the game was yeah it's it's cool to see that level of play that level of complexity shake out in the age of sigmar game and also i i can't say enough about the community over there they really have created an environment of of tournament players that are incredibly welcoming and supportive and look that does exist other places but it's like this seems to be like even more present there Mm. which was which was cool i really enjoyed seeing that and you know we got to experience it too you know they know they know we're mostly talk 40k (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> we're real happy to have us over there, you know? So that is cool. Um, I also want to say that I think that the AOS players have, um, well, how do the kids say it? They've got Riz, you know? They, they've all got cool outfit, you know, like... Like Tough Crowd has some spectacular outfits that they rock up to the table in. And I think that they just don't take themselves that seriously. Like, obviously, their generalship is serious. But I think sometimes AOS players take themselves a little bit less seriously. And I think that that makes for a really fun and dynamic thing to watch like i i always like to catch the streams and and i don't know what it is but just that level of fun that each uh aos player brings to the table it comes through in the stream um and so it makes for a great time yeah an, an amazing time talking about it and you know seeing the amazing armies of course hobby and is off the charts over there with the with the Sigmar stuff, you know, huge centerpiece of spectacular models, uh, and then top level competitive play, you know, largest largest stage of Sigmar tournament I think of all time with uh, close to 400 players. Amazing there, so that is on the rise. And if you are even slightly curious about how the game's played or anything, check out the streams, of course. And there's lots of other good good content out there for Age of Sigmar. But if you are you know playing and were curious about how the community was, it's awesome. You're gonna you're gonna find some people I think to hang out with if you end up signing up to these things. I signed up for an Age of Sigmar Escalation League next month, so let's go. Oh, what are you going with? Ogres, baby. All right. So many ogre players on this show. That's because ogres are the best. They're my spirit <laughs> yeah. animal. You're not wrong. You're not I wrong. Know. I know. Like, they're always hungry. They're always cranky. And at least in Age of Sigmar, they're being followed by, like, a magical snowstorm. So they're always cold. And that just is me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm digging that. it. I'm digging it. Oh, we got to talk. We can actually segue just a little bit into that old world journey uh, that you're on. Adam yeah, baby. Oh, absolutely. So got my first uh, first uh, set of Ogre Bulls done. So my first little troop choice for that. And uh, cracking out the airbrush hopefully tomorrow to start experimenting on my um, my test scheme. After a really, really specific scheme. So I want them to be like, I want I want their skin to have never seen the sun, essentially. Because okay. they're, they're hanging out in like the Badlands with the Chaos Dwarves. Uh, essentially, the, the story of my tribe is that they, they were enslaved initially by the Chaos Dwarves and or bribed to help them build and, and build their civilization, you know, after being, you know, kind of exiled so to speak, left left to their own devices, left to, to turn to her shoot. So, um, and so, yeah, I, I want their skin to have never seen the sun. I want them to be, you know, very, very dark uh, metal, metallics. But I'm trying to figure out what the pants color is because I've got, uh, so because essentially ogres are broken down into three components, flesh, pants, gut plate, or flesh, plants, yep. metallics, weapons, etc. Um, the flesh, I've got a scheme I'm going to test out. I'm going to give it a go and perfect it. I know I, I've got a very clear vision of what I want there. Very clear vision of the metallics. Don't know about the pants. Try for a I plaid. don't know about the trousers. Go for plaid. Sorry? Go for a plaid. Well, tartan. Just freehand yeah. tartan on it. Just give it a shot. <laughs> give it a shot on one. <laughs> yeah, man. It's only like eight <laughs> models in the, in the whole army. You're not, you're not wrong. <laughs> um, so what what color are you hoping to do the skin? So a, a, a gray, a very gray pale skin tone. So it's not going to be very, not going to be much warmth in it. So are I'm you considering gonna, like, doing... wash it purple or something? Yeah, either a, like greenish or, or purplish. But I've got a very nice, um, very nice dark maroon that I kind of want to, or like it's almost like a purple off off color to add a little bit, a little bit of warmth into the recesses is kind of what I'm after. Hmm. 
So, and it's going to be light, and then you're going to have dark metallics. Yes. So, dark copper, dark oily iron. Okay. Well, I mean, I would probably go with something mid-tone, so that it's not competing with, like, the light yeah. skin and the dark metallics. Yeah. Because you're, you're then, of the same opinion as me, right? You, you almost treat ogres like orcs. The skin is the yeah. is the thing, and the yeah, skin yeah. has to be the main draw. You don't want to wash it out. You don't want to compete with it too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I spend the most time on the skin for sure. Yeah. Um, I would maybe do, like, a, a, like, a neutral kind of color. And when I say neutral, I don't mean, like, gray or whatever. I mean, like, maybe a green or a red yep. because they yep. are they don't really lean like warm or cool yeah do you know yep. what i yep. mean it's like a blue gray even or maybe step away a bit from the gray because of the, i'm gonna get a little bit of gray into the the skin tone um mm. maybe i do yeah maybe i can keep the pants pretty neutral and just use a little bit of a little bit of copper to bring a little bit of warmth yeah you instead. can even just like straight up mm. do like brown yeah Actually, yeah, brown might be brown might work. And brown's a nice, easy color because you can get like uh, really pigmented paints that cover mm. really nicely. So you wouldn't be fighting the paint to create, you know, what you're trying to go for. There's some good like contrast that. browns too. I don't know which yeah. style you're going with, but there are some contrast browns that do a. I mean, they basically just make it real brown. Is it yeah. snake bite leather that everybody loves? Is that the one? That that that's, that is a good one good. because I mean that's like amazing for pouches. Like if you if if you want to paint quick pouches, snake by letter is awesome. But there's like what is it? It's not Cygor brown, but it may be. It's like starts with a C, but it basically makes it real like super brown in one coat. But I don't know which way you're going for. Sometimes. Yeah, I'll do a couple. I'll do a couple of tests. I also had the idea of doing it um halved, like essentially you know half the pants one coat or another. And yeah, because uh, if they're all like laced up the back. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you're very easy to do. It just adds a little bit of little bit of something something to it as well. Uh, but who knows? We'll see if I can be bothered. If I can, would it be a nice? Well, would be a nice cream color. Would go good with the brown. Or I could do a. I could even do a green brown, a green and a brown. But it had to be very different. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love when people do stripes on their ogre pants. Yeah, ain't, ain't no one got time for that. Stripes, stripes is good too. Yeah. So, but plaid yeah. though, it's it's like you think, okay, well, I just have to do like stripe, like I have to do straight lines or stripes, but you don't because you have to put like the little like different colors where all of those stripes intersect. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So it's like yep. actually going to take so long to do it unless mm-hmm. you can figure out some way to like get some transparency in the paint, but still have it kind of pigmented to show up. Like I just don't know how you do it. Stripes you know, you know the call, what's the one thing in painting that you always have the time to do? Like you, you like I see so you, you suggest like striping pants. I'm like, there's no way I'm willing to commit time to that. But like the wet blending skin and flesh tones over like muscle is what is I will I will dedicate so much time to doing that. So much unnecessary time to trying to perfect something <laughs> like that. Is, is there is there a thing in your hobby repertoire as well that you just like give an exorbitant amount of time to? Other people are like, oh yeah, just get it done, whatever. And it's like, no, this is like 110% effort. I, I don't know if I've got something like that. I mean, probably the, the multiple layers of red at this point to get to the layer <laughs> I want. Like that, that if I happen. had to have a guess, Paul, if you had to give me one <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, I like sorry. the color red I get to. What can I say? Hey, I, you know, knows what he likes. It's good. I think with me, with each project, I like to choose one thing that is the sort of focal point of the project. Um, so usually for me, it is skin. 
right? So with my orcs, it's mm-hmm. the skin. With my ogres, it's the skin. But like with my custodies, it's definitely their armor I spend the most time on. In my night haunt, I would say it's probably just their cloaks that I spend. Yeah, so it's usually skin, I would say, or skin equivalent that mm. I spend the most time on. Well, let's take a quick break. We will come back and uh, see what kind of fortification is we get up to. See you on a minute. FTN is brought to you by Discount Games Inc. Please visit them at www.discountgamesinc.com. And don't forget to ask Jay about ways to save even more on your hobby projects. Hey everybody, we are back. Thank you very much for indulging us with that Warhammer Sigmar talk. But I had a blast. I really can't deny it. I had, a, I had so much fun. I had fun hanging out with all the people. I had fun talking about the games. I had fun seeing the games. You know, I've, I, I do play and I've been playing more and I certainly play more you know, as I as these events where we're talking about Sigmar approaches, but seeing you know people at the top of their game playing is just as satisfying as seeing you know as anything play. That's why that's why live sports are exciting. You know, pro sports <laughs> yeah. kind of stuff. You know yep. what I mean? Um, I don't like to watch pro sports, but I do like to watch top level Warhammer. So. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's it's that vibe. Well, it's, I guess what I'm saying is like there are things that you may not know uh, or have a highest appreciation for as the people that are doing it, but it's fun to watch people at the top of their game do what they love. That's what I mean. Yeah. For me anyway. Yeah. Okay. I got you. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Oh, well, that was, that was pretty cool. And um, yeah, we started briefly talking about 40K during like a decision. Play. The players were kind of like locked in thought nor not during the normal course of a game using their allotted time and uh, kind of wandered into a 40K conversation. And chat was like, yo, this is not the place for that. <laughs> <laughs> but they were, they were right. They were right. It was on the Sigmar stream. So. <laughs> you were told. It was politely suggested it was also a great time in chat like everybody was awesome in, in chat you know but uh there was a uh, one of those things we're, we're talking about catechins i couldn't help myself <laughs> <laughs> well it's more like you know you get getting ready for tournaments prepping for tournaments you know you, you sometimes there's there's things that you do and some of the things that you do is go back and revisit your army and in this case you know i've been on this whole rebasing project with uh catechins and, you know, before tournaments, that's one of the things I like to do is, is well, one, you know, get your army together, read your codex and get ready to, to go into the fray, you know, refresh yourself. We actually did a, so um, Adam and I are on another show called the Meta Chasers. It does exactly what it says on the tin. Uh, <laughs> we talk, we talk about um, tournament players, the, the factions that are represented there the um the, some of the army lists some of the top ranked people in the itc what they're taking and then sometimes just some kind of meme list that we that maybe could be a meta breaker could be the next meta breaker on those mm-hmm. things uh but we're talking about like at the end of the show like the number one top 10 stratagems or, or top wasn't top 10 top 10 we could probably name the top 10 but like top top stratagem in the game what we thought that was and then it was well, you know we kind of dovetailed into like what's the stratagem you'll forget the most you know and things like grenades you know if you remember you have them you're gonna find a time not an opportunity to use it you're gonna be happy that you did and so you know part of what i always do when i'm getting ready for a tournament was go, you know go and reread all the things that are available to me and remind myself that it sometimes applies to the things in my list Oh man, I got a story about that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so um, two of my teammates were going down to LVO to play in the Warhammer 40k doubles. And so my husband and I basically like, 
put two like list archetypes together in order to really put them through their paces. Um, and we just like hammered out games with them. And a couple of times we whooped them pretty hard. But in the last game, so my husband doesn't play as much as I do. He plays more Age of Sigmar and I play a little bit more uh, Warhammer 40k. So, you know, he's, he's hyper aggressive and he's out there like mid-table pushing into their deployment zone, doing what aggressive players do. And I'm playing guard, so I've got my artillery um, sort of home base back on our home objective. And um, so there is a... they So they get... Um, uh, bring it down as one of their cards and so they're gonna come after um one of my artillery pieces in order to uh to get that and um they keep it they don't get it that that turn that they draw it and they decide to keep it and so they send um i think it was a plague burst crawler into my deployment zone or not, yeah, into my deployment zone and like get really close and they, they're they right there at the end of their turn. So we decide, well, we have to get rid of this Plague Burst Crawler, right? Because it can't just be able to see me as well as, as shoot me, right? Because then it just gets infinitely better. Um, so we get it down to one wound uh, in the shooting phase and the look of dejection on my husband's face because he doesn't remember <laughs> that we have tank shock as a stratagem and that plague burst crawlers three inches away from my basilisk Ugh. and so he's just absolutely gutted and i'm like i just pat him on the shoulder i'm like don't worry we got this right so and yeah it's, of course we freaking got him so um yeah they didn't end up getting that uh they didn't end up getting that secondary and like we killed a plague burst crawler which always feels good so yeah you gotta be you gotta be up on those universal stratagems care to remind yourself and look and as we as the itc season is closing out and a new one is being birthed yeah yeah get that vision out of your head uh <laughs> <laughs> Uh, into existence here maybe people maybe want to jump back into the tournament scene uh competing for their faction or you know overall top spots and that kind of stuff so uh you know i think it's nice to revisit these topics every now and then and um organized play and traveling to organized play or just getting out there to you know the the game store that's you know, always been something very important to me and like one of the core like tenets of the show is that we talk about because it's been so rewarding over the years and, you know, no time like a new year and a new season where you can uh, claw and scrape for your, your points uh, for your favorite faction or even region or whatever, hobby track, those types of things is like a, a good excuse to, to revisit, you know, some of your armies and, and maybe think about getting out there. So I don't know if y'all have any like pre-tournament tournament rituals that you want to share. Uh, I don't, I'm kind of, um, I, I haven't really had as much experience, uh, going to tournaments or anything. Um, but this year's different. So I've got a lot of stuff that I'm signed up for. Um, but I haven't really established any real, like pregame rituals or no, anything. Pre, so like I'm, pre-event, like the panic, you know, the night before or whatever. <laughs> uh, nothing I mean, I just, before, yeah, I just thing. stress paint. <laughs> Like two months out, I start stress painting. That's about it. That's that's valid. Whatever it takes. Yeah. Um, I have like morning of 
rituals. Like I like to do some exercise before a tournament. Uh, I just feel like I think better, make better decisions after, you know, post-exercise. Um, so that's one I love to do. I also have like, there's just heaps of urban legends in Australia about um, mostly, you know, everyone's got their own, but most, mostly about some of the top players and what, um, you know, little rituals they'll do if they're like undefeated going into the last day which I just, I love these things in our community so much. The most famous one was a guy named uh, Jeremy who uh, won, uh, well, I consider him to have won three three-day events in a row. Like every year we have this one three-day event in Australia. It, we used to, it, it's called Uprising now, but it used to be called CanCon. And uh, he won three in a row. And his, his, one of the secrets he said is that if he goes into day three undefeated, he has to eat two main meals for dinner. <laughs> um, on the second day, and if he, we call it the double mains, if he double mains, like he has two steaks, or he has you know yeah, two entrees, two yeah two main meals on on the night before, he goes undefeated, and he did it three times, three years in a row. It was it's it's absolutely bizarre, and it's right. got now that those things results yeah. took you're exactly right, life of their own, and now we've got the double dessert. Someone else has got their own mythos building with that, and everyone's yeah, it's proliferated. It's so good. I mean the the two the two main meal makes sense because you just played like really hard on day two right yep and then you eat two gigantic meals and then you go into a food coma so then you wake up super refreshed Refreshed. because you slept the entire night through and full of energy my one is my only one is uh, is having an energy drink because i never have energy drinks and my adhd i'm so very susceptible to energy drinks that if i go undefeated in day one or in a two day going into day three and i have an energy drink yeah, there's, there's been there's been actually now a couple of my team events, but there's been four distinct occasions I've done that and gone undefeated in the the second day or the third day. Okay. Um, actually, never the third day. I've never gone undefeated in the three day. <laughs> what am I talking get, about? If we can get an energy drink sponsor for this show, that would be awesome. We should. We should. <laughs> if we're not when I'm undefeated going into the last day yeah, of an monster event, is I listening. Like cracker monster. Yeah. Yeah. Zero cal I... monsters are the not the zero cal the low cal. Uh, that comes in the white cans. That's my jam, by the way. I generally, like, my energy drink of choice is generally coffee because I'm not, like, one for super sweet beverages. But you know what? If drinking one of those would help me win, I would do it. I would just plug the nose. I would just, like, down the hatch, you know? I would the, go, the go juice gets me through the streams. <laughs> I don't know. To me, it just tastes like medicine. So maybe if I treated it like medicine, I could probably do it. You gotta find the right one when you like getting ready for the events like sit down use an opportunity to, to go back over your models maybe put some squad marks or decals on or, or whatever uh get the bases right uh read your rules again like it just all contributes to more success the preparedness oh there is something that i do um so usually the the not the night before but the night before that i will rewrite my cheat sheet start to bottom oh um, okay like, cheat sheet, like the like like links or like what, what what goes on that document for you everything because i hate flipping through the cards looking for the one that i need so i literally put all of the information i need from my cards onto a cheat sheet so i have everything that i need in one or maybe two sheets of paper so I have like stat lines, like any pertinent stratagems that'll work on that unit, uh, any special things I need to remember. I just like collate all of the things that I need for each unit 
onto its particular listing on my cheat sheet. That's really nice. I'm just really forgetful. Well, it's, it's, it could be a time saver for you also. I mean, like when you're when you're playing yeah. a match play event, like time is a premium. Like the, the rounds are typically scheduled and go from a certain time to another certain time. So anything that can speed you up during your process is probably ideal. Yeah. And like I play orcs and guard. So like generally my turns are going to last longer than somebody who's playing like custodies or space marines or whatever, just because I have more things that I need to, you know, move around the table and whatnot. So any like little things like that, that like save me time at the table, like it's, it's worth it for me. Um, and it's uh, to be fair also at this point, I have social anxiety. So it is a little bit of like a security blanket for me having okay. those cheat sheets. So no, that, that's cool. You mentioned some things coming up in the, and in the escalation league, anything else? Uh, like- oh my goodness. Yeah, I have two other like competitive 40k leagues that I joined and then I'm going to a large GT. It's large for me. Um so far so far there's 100 people that are going to be at that one. That's a, I, um, that counts as large. Yeah, it's it's pretty large. I've never been to like I think the biggest uh tournament I've ever taken place in is about 40 people. So, it's huge. Um so yeah, I'm I have that in March. I have a team tournament in April. Um my team is doing like a little invitational RTT as prep for that one first big tournament. Um so I got like so much stuff. <laughs> I'm going to have so many games every week. It's going to be great. That's cool about you, Adam. Um yeah. <laughs> Look, I will say that uh, I plan to hit, uh, like, just to jump in, I plan to hit uh, a couple of the eight-person teams events over the course of the year as they've sprung mm. up all over the place. And I plan to uh, hit, if I can, hit the one in March and then another one in uh, June, July. I can't remember the exact date. Uh, but it's it's contingent also of, like, some other travel schedules. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, I've got a two-day uh, 40K event coming up in, what, three weeks that I'm really looking forward to. Um, and then after that, I don't know, probably some team events. I'll be, I'll be you know, prepping for my state team competition. So we have our national, you know, every state sends a, a team of eight players. I've applied for that, see if I get a spot. Um, and then there'll be a lot of prep for that. And then, yeah, just kind of see what happens. I'm hoping to play one, hopefully maybe even two Age of Sigmar events this year. Sorry, no, the old world events. Jeez. Jeez. <laughs> we edit it, edit it. I can't put that out in the world. People will hold me to it. Um, and uh, yeah, apart from that, just opportunistically, I don't. I don't plan to be. I'm going to be traveling a lot for you know probably the same reasons Paul's going to be traveling a lot. Uh, so my yeah yeah talking about Warhammer, but my so my events are probably going to be pretty opportunistically and pretty locally. Uh, yep, and look, I'm right there with you, but I do. Uh, I think the next time I'll be at a major event will be Adepticon, which is coming up, you know, probably here sooner than we know it. Wait, you're playing at Adepticon? Oh, no, no. I would oh. love to, by the way. That is a, that is a, uh, the independent event is like, it's a, y'all have heard me talk about it in the past. It's a, it's a great, it's a great event. Like a lot of, it's run by cool people and the, you're surrounded by other people there that are just really there trying to have a good time. And it's, it's a, one of the closest things to a, a real convention that we have in our, um, like our environment, our hobby, but I will be there. Uh, we'll not be, be talking about Warhammer, uh, probably not playing Warhammer, uh, but look, it's still looking forward to it. But the next one playing will most likely be that team, ter- team tournament. If uh, I get the days to line up, right. 
which I'm looking forward to. That's uh, that's what I what I want to do. Uh, I'm getting my army shaped up. Uh, one of the things I've got lined up for my hobby project this weekend is to get a little bit closer to that that list that I've been playing and having some success with. You know, completely done in non-Countess models. <laughs> <laughs> I got so nice. I did. I've been using the lieutenants to um, basically the 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 Phobos lieutenants. I'm sorry, not the Phobos lieutenants. The forget what the which one it's called. The lieutenant that, that lets you uh, move after you shoot. And I didn't want to have two of the same model on there, so I finally got some parts to use and build build the model WYSIWYG. Uh, but um, uh, but I'm, I'm going to make them look different than the other. So nice. Yep, gonna be um, a busy year. So. That's our show for this week, everybody. Thanks a lot for hanging out and indulging us on the Sigmar talk and then, you know, talking about, you know, what we have uh, coming up this year and what we have to look forward to. It's been, mm. our, been my pleasure. My pleasure too. Tanya, we'll just have to assume. <laughs> it's been her pleasure also. Yeah, it's been the same. Uh, it, it, yes, it's, it's, been a, it's been a pleasure. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> we will see y'all next week, everybody. See you. Bye-bye. Scan is clear. I think they're gone for now.